All right, Garrett, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, we've been talking about doing something for a while now, um, and it's great that we finally get to connect and collaborate and uh, and talk some cool Batman shit. Yeah, man, absolutely. I, uh, I'm always down to talk cool Batman stuff, and, you know, I'm, as, as I'm sure you probably aren't surprised to learn most of the time, you know, I end up talking about movies and live action stuff or maybe some animated things. Um, mm -hmm. So it's kind of cool to get to talk about the subject we have tonight, which is a little bit of both, right? A little bit of live action from, from back in the day mixed mm -hmm. with comics. Um, yeah. Fun for me. Uh, it's, you know, it, it's interesting. Um, so we're talking Batman meets the Green Hornet or Batman 66 meets the Green Hornet. And, um, I watched the actual episode for the first time, uh, just last night, actually. Um, I'd never seen the episode, even though I own the Blu-rays, I've only seen like bits and pieces of them. Um, have you ever seen the actual episode that they teamed up on? Yeah, absolutely. I actually saw it, um, as a young guy, little kid first, um, mm. we had, we lived out in the middle of nowhere. I mean, when I say middle of nowhere, I mean, legitimate middle of nowhere, Northern Minnesota growing up. <laughs> um, drew had to drive like half hour to get to the store or church or you know school or whatever right we got two tv channels one was the local pbs um 22 shout out northern minnesota pbs channel 22 and then the <laughs> other was this um you know pretty new broadcasting station um that you had to get on the uhf dial if you got if anybody remembers the uhf dial from like way oh, back yeah. in the day because mm -hmm. we didn't have cable this is like legit middle of nowhere it's uhf <laughs> 54 out of the red river valley in north dakota and it was fox when fox was just getting started so this is like probably 1988 89 uh -huh. and um one of the things they had the rights to, so they played it to death, was the Batman, you know, 66 series. Uh -huh. And they also had Green Hornet reruns that were on at the same time in the oh. crossover episodes. I'm not kidding. I feel like they aired them at least once a month. I think just the way they mm. cycled through them. Because there's only a handful of seasons of each, right? Like less than right. that. So I saw it really pretty early and was, you know, when I was a kid, I thought Green Hornet was, I could tell personally it wasn't on the level of Batman, mm -hmm. but because that was my exposure, I thought the Green Hornet was like a much bigger pop culture deal than what it turned out to be just kind of like a cool TV show for a while. And then, you know, sure. Dynamite and everything else, the comics later. But right. yeah, long story short, I've seen it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I got to say that between the two of them, I definitely prefer the comic because I think the comic does a better, is a better story. It's a little bit more interesting. And, and, chalk it up to modern day storytelling versus you know the stories they were trying to tell back in the 60s um you, you so you're you already answered a question of mine which was going to be if you've ever seen the green hornet tv show because i've never yeah. actually seen it i think i maybe saw snippets of it when i was when i was a little kid back in the day um a lowercase jj as i like to say um but uh i but i didn't really but I, I don't think I knew what it was. I just knew it was something like Batman, where it was like a superhero type thing. Um, and it wasn't until like years and years later, uh, when like the, the Green Hornet movie came out, the Seth Rogen movie, that I did more research. And I was like, oh, okay, this character actually sounds kind of cool. And, you know, we can get into the, that movie in a little bit. Because um, I have, I don't know, have you ever seen that one? You know, it's funny. I haven't ever seen it. Um, which oh. is crazy. I actually, 
won tickets or was given tickets um, by the group, um, some of the guys that were running screenings, early review screenings over at Ain't It Cool News. Uh, oh. com back in the day. I used to yeah. frequent those message boards and communicate with a couple uh, members of the writing staff back, you know, when that was kind of still a big site that had a lot of cool stuff. Yeah, yeah. And um, something happened and they were, they were doing an early screening in Minneapolis and mm. something happened that I couldn't make it. And then I never saw it again. I think I've seen bits and pieces, but I've never <laughs> sat down to watch the whole thing. So I still need to do that. I hear they're, they're looking at taking another crack at it at some point. So the 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 i don't know if it's a rumor or if it's just like scuttlebutt around hollywood whatever whatever but they are looking to reboot um i don't mind the movie it's not bad but it's also not good <laughs> it's just you know and, and like i said we'll kind of get into it it's it's a misfire of a lot of things um but i think what this uh so you know like i said what we're, we're you know we're getting into a little bit so we're talking about batman 66 meets the green hornet the comic book where um batman and robin have to team up with green hornet and kato to take on uh now general gum and the joker from stealing a bunch of stamps and all this weird shit that you know <laughs> that gum was doing back in the in the 66 episode where he you know all his crimes were stamp related which sure why not? You know, just like the Mad yeah, Hatter, all his, all his crimes were hat related. Um, it's, <laughs> I don't know why, you know, it's not. You know, like, I think it was, I, I, you always, I always just sort of chalk it up as the 60s and there was a lot of drugs going on, right? And it was like, <laughs> so either like, here's this weird idea because of the drugs or like, man, I've done so many drugs. I need to keep this thing super simple. He's yeah. a he's a he's a stamp guy. All, everything's got to be a stamp. Why? Because I'm too high to think of something else. You know, like so just <laughs> stick on this track. That's that's fair enough. Um, but I also think that the the concept of the Green Hornet it sort of only works in the '60s, at least in my mind, because it's like it's meant. It doesn't make any sense. You know, it's like oh, we're 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 gonna pretend to be the bad guy, but we're actually the good guy, um, and it's like okay but that really only works if you have no idea how crime works <laughs> <laughs> i know which which the movie actually touches on um they because they you know i mean it's seth rogan he kind of plays Brit reed kind of like an idiot as he as he does um so it's just, so you just are like so they have like no idea what they're doing and they get in way over their heads um so it feels sort of like a parody but at the same time it it, it makes me laugh thinking about it because I was watching the movie going, man, these guys are idiots. But then when I read, I reread the comic and I was watching the episode, I was like, yeah, but they, they had a kind of a better grasp on it. Maybe it's like you said, because it was just so simple. Like, like, okay. So yeah, they're going to be the bigger bad guy to take out the other bad guys. But again, I never really seen too much of any of the regular green Hornet show. No, it, you know, it kind of seemed like um, to me, and, and I haven't seen the episodes for years, um, but I had seen them, you know, not in infinite time period. I mean, bef since I was seven or six or whatever, six mm -hmm. years old, probably. Um, and it just kind of seemed like that was their hook, right? Like somebody said, hey, here's the thing. And we're going to pitch it to you like this. Yeah. Um, and then go from there. And it was like, okay, well, now everything's going to kind of fit in that. So it, it, it does, to your point, kind of self-select the type of stories you can tell because there has to be 
a heist on type of, on top of a heist or a crime and then uh, you know the apparent crime to top the crime right the bad right. guys have to spoil the other bad guys um which you know, it's interesting i really should check out the the seth rogan film because it does seem like in the the real world of crime simply showing up and pretending also to be a criminal might not be the best plan of attack. Uh, right. And it's, it's funny to me in the movie, you know, where it's, it's Seth Rogen, but he doesn't have a, a voice modulator or anything. I'm just like, he's the most recognizable voice in the world. In my opinion, <laughs> like there's yeah, no way these specific. people, yeah, there's no way like in, in that universe where he's Brit Reed, right. There's no, you, you, there's no way people wouldn't know that if they've ever met Britt Reed. Um, and I kind of <laughs> was joking about it. It's like, it's like, it's like if he was the killer in Scream, he's like, oh, what's your favorite scary movie? <laughs> you're like, oh, it's Seth Rogen. And it's like, oh, no, oh, you got me. And now you know who the killer in Scream is. So. <laughs> he, uh, there is some, he was just in something that I saw on TV and it was, I don't want to say it was an animated thing. Yeah, it was an animated thing for sure. Because as soon as the character opened, you know, its little cartoon mouth, I'm like, oh, Seth Rogen is was, in this. This is is Big Mouth. Oh, it was Big Mouth. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Immediately. Yeah. And I was like, of course, Seth Rogen would be in Big Mouth. This is like the yeah. most perfect pairing. Like, it actually made me stop and realize, I'm like, wait a minute, has Seth Rogen not been in this show for the first couple seasons? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, I thought the same thing. I was like, oh, he's like, he's a perfect match for this. But um and it's funny where like he wrote the he co-wrote the movie with his writing partner evan goldberg mm-hmm. and it's like so they went from like super bad and all these other comedies to green hornet because they were like oh yeah we want to like tackle this and it was directed by michelle gondry who uh directed one of my favorite movies of all time uh, eternal sunshine of the spotless mind oh sure and yeah so i was like oh well this movie's gonna be great and it's eh. <laughs> kind of fun to watch well and and also think of from like every angle it seems like very interesting choices yeah right like like seth goldberg to star and then who should direct it oh you know jim carrey art house you know very you know (laughs) interesting selections um i mean it's it, it is what it is and i i can still watch it and enjoy it but it doesn't to me, it doesn't hold a candle to those episodes that were fun to watch. And then these, uh, these comics, um, or this, this graphic novel, what do you want to call it? Um, which is, I, I, I don't know. It's like, I was never like the biggest, awesomest, you know, Batman 66 fan. You know, it's like, I liked it when I was a kid. I saw some of it. I watched the movie more than anything. Um, and then, you know, it, it, like Bill and I talked about this and it was funny where we, as we got older and, you know, it's like the 60s show was sort of shunned. Like, Oh, we don't talk about that. That's a black mark on Batman's record. And then for some reason, one day everybody decided that it wasn't, and it was the greatest thing ever. And we need to re-acknowledge that. <laughs> and, and it's wild. And, yeah. Um, Grant Morrison, you know, when it comes to the comics, you know, is pretty famous for talking about like, no, this is all has value and it oh, all yeah. happened. This, yep. this is all vitally important to the character. And in fact, if you can sort of trace out the steps that the character went through by the decade, you, you have a pretty interesting way to approach 
um, you know, Bruce's time in the cowl, so to speak. And, Mm -hmm. you know, the Batman 66 series is a huge part of that. Kevin Smith has said this a number of times too, about how sort of it was that thing we all turned our back on. And then, and then at some point we realized like, Oh no, we were stupid. We wanted, we, we only wanted Batman to be one thing. So we thought that made us grown up. And then we grew out of that and realized, Oh man, there's like incredible work being done here, whether it's, you know, just costume and set design, you know, to, to like, you know, this very dry sort of, you know, camp, the approach to, to looking at, you know, what was going on in pop culture generally, but also superheroes at the time. Like, yeah, it's totally mm-hmm. valid and worthwhile. It's just, it's just a different flavor. Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally agree. It, it, um, it does something, I don't know, there's something really cool about it where like, uh, and I've said this before, where a coworker of mine said some random streaming service she has, um, uh, not one of the major ones, one of the, like, the weird small ones that you hear about sometimes. Um, I guess they, for whatever reason, have Batman 66 and her, her son, who's like uh, seven or eight, like he watches it. So to him, that's Batman. And it's like that, that's so cool to hear. And that warms my heart. Like, oh, great. Like th- this is what the show was kind of meant to be. It was meant to be, you know, something fun for the kids, and then the adults could watch and laugh at it. You know, Mark Hamill has said that in interviews. You know, when he was a kid watching it, his parents would be laughing at it, and he didn't understand why they thought it was funny. Right. Um, but it's, uh, you know, and Kevin Smith, you know, he's, he said the same thing. And, and him, and he brought that, I think, really well, him and uh, Ralph Garman, when they were writing this book. Um, I think they brought that, because it's almost a different language to write. Because you can't just write Batman, you know, he can't be the dark brooding Batman. He has to be a very, like, civil-minded person or... Uh, Esoteric, like, almost. Like, yeah. it's, you know, this sort of, like, I'm glad to know you're staying up on your, whatever, uh, Greek etymology or something. And one point yeah. he talks about, and, and, and Robin's like, you know, golly, Bruce, you're right. It sure is important. And... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it, it is it is entirely something else. But I, you know, I had the same experience, man. I didn't know it was a joke. No one told me, right? Yeah. No one, no one included right. me. And in. in fact, um, so this was, you know, I was a big Batman fan from the time I was little. I can, I don't remember a time that I wasn't a big Batman fan. Sure. Um, but I had, you know, the Kenner superpowers team action figures and some little comic books and some coloring books, what have you. And then, um, you know, the, the, the Batman 1966 um, series was on reruns on this new Fox station. And I remember just being like beyond overjoyed, like, oh my gosh. And I'd watch it and just get so hyped up. I'd, mm-hmm. fi- I'd finish an episode and like need to go like, mom, you've got to put a paper, uh, you know, a, a, a towel on this back immediately. I need to <laughs> run through the woods, you know, run outside <laughs> and play and jump off stuff because I was just so jacked up. Yeah, and then when um, Batman '89 was announced, you know, and Batmania really kicked in to mm. full gear, they had like this 72-hour marathon, mm. someplace between 48 and 72 hours, and it was every episode from the '66 series ever. So, you know, we went and bought like a bunch of blank video cassettes, and my mm. dad like set up set an alarm he'd get up and swap the tapes out we recorded every single one i still have a bunch of them up at my mom's house actually with like 
vintage <laughs> UHF commercials, like local Fargo, you know, small town <laughs> North Dakota broadcasting commercials, probably for you know, like snow plows or something. Right, right. Um, <laughs> and, you know, I watched those, you know, like it was deathly serious to the point that mm. I didn't get the difference between that in Batman 89 when I went to go to the movie theater. My mom had to like tell me, like, no, no, this is very, it's a different version of a Batman story. I'm like, could have fooled me. I don't know, you know, <laughs> as a kid. Uh, well, I, I think, you know, from my experience, I, I didn't, I knew that they were different. I didn't, I mean, obviously very visually very different. Um, but I never, it, it never quite clicked with me that, oh, this one was meant to be just like a fun comedy show. Whereas this, the 89 was like the dark serious. This is the, the quote unquote, the real Batman. Right. Right. Um, but you know, and then as I got older, I was, like, I was like, man, this this old show is dumb. Like, it's it's not funny. It's stupid. Like, it's making fun of Batman. Any excuse in my head. And then, and then getting older, even more so. And then I remember uh, a priest at um, a church I used to go to with my my girlfriend back uh, when we were uh, in high school. And somebody said something about like, oh, you know, JJ, he's a big Batman fan. That was like how everybody knows me, even to this day. Um, I mean, it could be because my house is decorated with all this Batman shit. Who knows? You know, <laughs> I'm, I'm, away. I'm literally wearing a Batman shirt. I have a drawer full of them. But anyway, uh, <laughs> so, so am I, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and he was like, oh, really? He's like, you know, when I was a kid, I watched the Adam West Batman and it was great. You know, I heard that they had an auction for the, the old Batmobile. I wish I had the money. I would have bought that car. And, you know, and, and he and I were kind of talking about that. And at the time, I was a little bit like, yeah, but that's not my Batman. I don't watch that. Yeah. I don't really care. And then looking back, I sort of regret thinking that way, thinking that like, well, no, like that was his experience with Batman. And that's great. And, you know, just like I was talking about a second ago with my co coworker, that's her son's Batman. And he's going to grow up, hopefully, you know, digesting all this new stuff with the Batman coming out soon you know, or soon, um, yeah. quotation, you can't see, I just, did once again, it's <laughs> next year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who's been saying that for like two years now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I'll have you on again next year and it'll be like, and it's coming out in 2024, but <laughs> no, any day uh, now folks, any day, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's like, I, I love that we have all these different options and then you can watch, uh, the Lego Batman, um, and you get something out of that too, which is kind of in the same style as the, in a way, at least the the old show where it's much more comedic. It's not making fun of Batman the way I convinced myself it was. The old show wasn't making fun of Batman. It was it was sort of just celebrating this cool character and how can we bring this to life to, or to life and you know make it fun for kids and adults you know, um, and that's not easy to pull off. But I think that they had done it and. And then Ralph Garman and Kevin Smith, when they wrote this book, it's like they they captured, like I said before, that language, because you can't write this Batman the way, because you know, Kevin Smith's written other Batman comics, you, you can't write that Batman the same way. No, yeah, this uh, is not widening gyre Batman, right? This is right. A, <laughs> this is a totally different thing, um, which is great. I think you know, people have written essays on to the. Uh, you know, just how malleable of a character Batman is. And, mm -hmm. um, and it's all super valid. Those are, those are, those are really chief important aspects of the character. But one of the things that I, <clears throat> excuse me, a lot of times we'll go back to and think about is, 
it's typically in retrospect that we sort of, you know, become offended or, you know, affronted by something. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in, when they were making the 66 series, it wasn't making fun of Batman to your point. It was using Batman in this like zany, goofy way mm-hmm. to sort of talk about what was what was popular at the time, what was in sort of the, you know, zeitgeist at the time. Right. And also reflect, you know, kind of where the character was. Now, as we got into the 80s and looked back on it, it it then appeared to us they were making fun of the character. But yeah. that's with the benefit, you're not even benefits, just with the passage of 20 years. We're saying this thing doesn't fit now my modern sensibilities, so therefore this thing is bad. Yeah. Right? Like it a lot of times, um, you know, people, but studios and businesses learn the the wrong lessons through success. And I think with mm-hmm. the success of the 66 series, the wrong lesson that was learned is Batman is goofy and dopey and comedic. Mm-hmm. Um, not that, wow, if you get a very talented group of people to put a product out there that's made with care and love and um, is smart in ways that might not translate <laughs> the same way for decades, people will right. enjoy it. Instead of that, like, hey, have super cool costumes, have awesome production design, have, you know, funny dialogue and big guest stars and whatever and have batman be this pop cultural juggernaut instead of Mm -hmm. learning that lesson the lesson was learned of oh we have to be goofy and broad and slapstick for batman to work like no man could it be more wrong right so you know and in 20 years from now i'm sure you know my kids will be you know sitting on their you know whatever version of podcasts they'll have at that point and saying like oh yeah can you believe it you know when when we were uh, kids, when our dads were talking about this stuff, they thought, you know, Batman needed to be ultra dark and gritty and uh, <laughs> realistic and kill yeah. sometimes or what I not, not to get down that rabbit hole, but right. you know, we learn these things over time and it, it's with retrospect that you can sort of say like, Oh no, man, there's still some good stuff in there. We shouldn't have shoved that in the corner and pretended like it wasn't good. It was good the whole time. Yeah. We weren't that good. <laughs> we just we we were also sort of learning the wrong lessons in a lot of ways absolutely um, and sort of what we were talking about like when we were off mic you know uh, like to your point what you had said was people making these things into their identities and getting offended by this stuff and it's like well we're you know we're not here to make fun of what you like you know if you like the Zack Snyder Batman great you know, I like it too. I'm, you know, I love Batman versus Superman. If you, if your favorite Batman is George Clooney, great. I, I'm, you know, <laughs> I'm glad you like it. I'm glad that you have that thing and that you like it and it exists, right? Yeah. That's not, and I've said forever, like not to, you know, Batman and Robin, um, and I'm not unique in saying this is, mm. is sort of the, the, this, if you took, the lessons that people thought they learned of Batman 66 and put it in a nineties blender. Like you'd get Batman and Robin. That's what you get. It makes, if, if, if a bunch of like, you know, filthy rich, maybe coked out studio execs were trying to do (laughs) Batman 66 in 1997, the only logical place you can land is Batman and Robin. I a hundred percent agree. Yeah. That's That's what you get. Yeah. And it's fine. It's fine that it exists. And and think about what we got out of Batman and Robin, right? Like 
um one you know the place where i do a lot of my work batman on film wouldn't exist without batman and robin but we wouldn't have gotten the nolan trilogy without batman and robin and Mm -hmm. um you know you wouldn't have gotten any of the modern movies if you didn't get the nolan trilogy right um, in a number of ways and not just batman but marvel and everything else so thank god for the 66 series because it kept batman you know um on the pulse of pop culture and and super relevant uh, for a very long time and and i love that it it has its place in history now where for the longest time it was the redheaded stepchild of, of Batman, you know? Um, whereas now it's like, I think especially, I, I think it really started its quote unquote comeback after the Nolan movies, because when the Nolan movies were coming out, everybody was like, you know, fuck the old, you know, fuck the nineties ones, fuck, you know, the, the 66 show. It's these, this is Batman, you know? And, and I would always just go, and it was funny to me because there's uh, friends of uh, my best friend and I, we were talking to some friends we made. They're about 10 years younger than us, uh, maybe a little bit younger than that, uh, <laughs> just to show our ages a little bit. And they were like, man, what's a Tim Burton Batman? It was so campy. Oh, it was I know. so, and I was just like, and we were both like, like, no, it's not. You're, Dude, you're you're stupid. And then that like, was the dark, gritty Batman. Yeah, <laughs> you kids don't know how good you have it. You go watch <laughs> Batman 1989. That was our realistic, freaking Joker with a four foot long pistol pulling out of his pants like it's yep. rotoscoping, like or like you know like the telescoping. That was our gritty, realistic Batman. It was yep. so gritty. I didn't even realize it was gritty when I was a kid. Like now you're <laughs> you you punks, you're taking it all for granted. Yeah. No, that was the joke I always make is that I was like, kids today are so spoiled. When I was young, we had to wait three years for every Batman movie and we had no idea if it was going to be good. Yeah. You know? Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> every- or what the, what the tone was going to be, right. Is this going to yeah. feel like a sequel or is it going to, is there going to be penguin goo? I don't know. Is my mom going <laughs> to not let me get a happy meal. I'm worried my mom's not going to let me get a hot happy meal here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, but I love that. I think, after the this after the Nolan movies, when the dust kind of settled and they talked about rebooting, because there were always rumors that Christian Bale was going to be in the Man of Steel, like a cameo in Man of Steel or in the Man of Steel sequel when they announced Batman vs Superman, and then suddenly it was like everybody was like, "Wait a minute, there's a whole history of Batman stuff that we can watch," you know. And then I think it was 2014 when they released the Blu-rays, and it's like, you know, look at this cool time capsule of of, of Batman history, and uh, and it's like. And, you know, and, and us as like the, the biggest nerds of them all we're, are kind of going, yeah, I, I told you that. Yeah. I told you there's all this cool Batman stuff and you ignored me and you were like, no, nah, just these ones. It's like, oh, yeah, it turns no. out there's 80 years of history. <laughs> all this stuff is lame and for losers, except for these big blockbuster things. They're just yeah. fine. They're cool. But the rest of this stuff is totally lame. There's no way it could be cool. Oh wait! It turns out it's cool. You geeks were right this whole time. Oh my gosh, my life is a lie. You know, like, <laughs> of course um, it's all cool, man. Have you read any of the other '66 uh, comics that came out, um, like before the Blu-rays? I think like 2013, 14. Yeah, um, I did. So I, um, I, I thought one when they first were coming out, I was just amazed by the the like quality because. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, if and, and not to say like the precedent is there. Um, you think about like Batman, the animated series Adventures was actually some very you know pretty high quality comic book stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
at some point once they got sort of past just the direct adaptation, which, you know, there's a lot of that. Um, but when they started yeah. talking about, you know, creating a 66 series to continue on, um, you know, what was left behind in the TV show, I was like, oh man, that's great. And there was a local comic book shop where I was living at the time. And I went and checked out some of those and was just, you know, I was just like, it really does feel like you're just doing more of the show. Like yeah. I thought, yeah. I thought I, I was looking for there to be at first some sort of, I'm thinking about logically, there's not a good way to do it, but I was waiting for there to be some sort of like, we're looking down on this like kind of parody mm-hmm. like but but how do you parody something that was kind of parodying the time yeah in the, tr- in the treatment of character the character on its own in some ways yeah yeah um <clears throat> so it felt like for what it was it was very earnest not that the not that the pro- not that the product itself was earnest but it was very faithful is probably the best way to say it which i was you know really quite pleased by it, you know, and, and that was uh, Jeff Parker who wrote most of those. Um, and I think that in some of the art by, and the, the covers by uh, Mike Allred. Yeah. Really, I mean, just, it, it, they felt like they could be posters from the show. And it was like, if, if the show had uh, like a, a $200 million budget, you know, it's like, cause you know, you get to see Batman like, I remember in one of I think it's one of the first issues when he he flies out of the out of the back copter and his and his capes ex- extended the way it never did in the show right and it, and it and it, it it looked really cool it's like man like and and because you know like I said before like Jeff Parker had the language so it's like I'm hearing Adam West I hear Burt Ward you know um, and then even into the uh, the Green Hornet one. Um, even better was the covers by Alex Ross. So now it's like, I'm looking at them. Like this is, this is brand new, but it feels like it was back then, you know, it's, it's so fascinating. In the Alex Ross, you know, there's nothing that adds, um, you know, a nice shiny gloss of prestige uh, yeah. to any project um, quite like an Alex Ross painted cover does. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it really does. It really did set the tone. You looked at it and you're like, gosh, you know, it's darn near, you know, a photograph that I'm looking at and you hear the voices come through and there's only really a few times in any of those comics, you know, what you talked about, um, you know, in the initial, you know, 66 comic series, um, I'm pretty sure I remember the book, but I'm sure there was other things that were similar. Um, but in the, the, the crossover, you know, they're on the train and you sort of get these visuals that you never could have gotten with soundstage production yeah. um, of, a, of a, a TV show on a budget made in the mid 60s. Right. But that's the it, so it feels bigger mm-hmm. in some ways than what the TV show was. But beyond that, man, you hear I mean, you could hear the voice in your head like it's yep. in in the language the not just the not just the word choice of the language but like the rhythm of the line delivery like the yes. cadence of the way Burt Ward delivered Dick's lines is like yep. how they're written it's just it's really pretty incredible and you know um you know Jeff Parker did a nice job with that but Kevin Smith I think um who's got a distinct writing style, depending on how stoned he is, I guess, when he's working on whatever project. It is. <laughs> That's fair. But Kevin has a love of words, right? He is a yep. verbose dude. It's, it's lengthy. It is lengthy stuff. Um, and you get 
some of that in you know meets the green hornet but it's sort of like he harnesses it in the right way it's sort of that narrator leading you into and out of the episode yeah it's a little bit of kevin in that but within the character dialogue it is just so well written for those characters that you lose kevin smith you only get actually those actors from you know geez 60 years ago at this point almost yeah um shining through and i don't know how much ralph garman you know helped with that aspect i know he's doing story stuff but for the dialogue itself if that was pure kevin or not um but that was the thing i was probably the most impressed with mm-hmm. you know when you have it's just like a really good actor when you get a really good you know daniel day lewis when you get somebody that just disappears into a part and you don't see the actor yeah. you just see the character like kevin smith i didn't it didn't this didn't feel like a Kevin Smith comic book. It felt like a Batman 66 comic book. Yeah. Uh, have you ever read a uh, green arrow quiver that, that he wrote? I actually haven't read that one of his. I've been meaning to. It's that's my, it's my favorite green arrow story. Um, and it's, it's balls to the wall, crazy comic book logic. How it's because it's, it's uh, Oliver queen coming back to life. So, you know, in the, like, I think it was like 2001, 2002, something like that. Yeah. Um, so it's just balls to the wall, nutty comic book logic that you really just have to, if you think too much on it, you're like, this is fucking ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but if you're, but if you just kind of like, let it be a comic book, let it be a lot of fun. It is a lot of fun. And I love, I, I frequent that book, but it is very Kevin Smith, very wordy <laughs> where, and you know, and, and he talks about that in the foreword that when he was pitching the stories to the editors, they were like, they're like, how many words are on this page? Like, we can't fit all those words on this page. And just like, but I thought that he had a really great grasp of the characters. And, uh, and I think he did that well in, in the Green Hornet comic as well, the, the Batman Green Hornet. And I think that Ralph Garman, Ralph Garman's like a super Batman 66 fan. Um, right. So I think he was able to kind of help, you know, you know, with, with the story and keeping it within that, like you were talking about, like, you know, quote unquote, the language, the rhythm and everything. It's like, well, let's, you know, let's slow this part of the story down or we can make this part bigger, but we can make this part, you know, like we were talking about before the idea of the green Hornet being kind of ridiculous. Oh, I'm a bad guy, but not really. I'm a good guy. I'm protecting people. Um, And I think that they helped make that concept work in the comic that that didn't fly for me in the movie. I was like, I, was like, I don't think this is working right. Um, but it, it worked in context of this story because it feels just off the wall enough and weird enough um, that it fit in with the old show and it fits and it fits this story that feels like a really great sequel to those those episodes we were talking about earlier. Um, and those episodes are a lot of fun, you know, and um, Kevin Smith talked about like he's like when we were kids that was you know that was the Avengers right this Green Horn Batman teaming up that's so cool <laughs> right yeah the first the first major crossover yeah and you're right in this format <clears throat> I actually think it is the Green Hornet conceit works better yeah. um, when it is part of a parody or when it is part of kind of a camp approach mm-hmm. right yep um, the TV show was much more of a direct approach than the six than batman 66 was okay um it was sort of and, and maybe that's another thing i'm misremembering but i it's it's always struck me as that was a little bit more of a direct story and based on 
I think there was like serial adventures on the radio before the TV show for the Green Hornet. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, yeah. But like it was a little bit more of a direct, hey, we've got this guy, you know, he's he's a wealthy guy, he runs a paper, he's stopping crime as by posing as a criminal. And that's the direct approach. That's the hook. It's not that there's this, you know, second layer of sort of like camp social parody or whatever to it. It's just direct. Um, but it's quite silly, right? Like it's, yep. it, it, it's, it's a silly concept. So it actually works better and you can play off of highlighting that it's silly when you do it in a crossover with the Batman 66 property. So, mm. you know, the, the two of them together almost um, allows you to highlight some different accents that you wouldn't be able to without it. Well, and I thought that they did, they also did a good job of, it's like, so Greenhorn and Cato, they, they know that they're the good guys and they're trying to like, but you know, we want to stop, you know, and because he gave himself an upgrade, right? So it's general gum. It's yeah, yeah, he got gum. the promotion. Yeah, which he gave himself, which I thought was funny. Um, but it's, so it's like, so we have to find a way to team up with them uh, without revealing that we're actually the good guys. Because I, I love that they did kind of call attention to it. At one point, Cato says to Green Hornet, he's like, can't we just tell them that we're we're the good guys and and Greenhorn's like I don't think they'll ever believe us you know um and I laughed at that thinking you know what 100% that that tracks with the logic of these characters in these shows I don't think that Batman would have believed him maybe Kevin Conroy Batman would believe him maybe you know um Ben Affleck Batman would believe him who knows but this in this situation I think like uh Adam West Batman he would never believe it he'd be like nope no, you're the bad guy. You're just trying to trick me, you know? Right. Um, <laughs> so I, I, I did like that they did call attention to it. And then they made up some uh, some silly thing where it's like, the Green Horn is taking the city hostage, but he, he'll he'll stop if he can snuff out the competition, which is General Gum. And, uh, and Batman's like, we're forced in this unlikely alliance. And it's just like, like, how how perfect is that but not it's so ridiculous but in this 66 concept oh i'm you got me i'm right with <laughs> <Yeah>. you and <laughs> it's and it is it's like and this is where i think it is a lot of i it feels to me like it's a lot of ralph garman um mm -hmm. because that dude if you ever listen to you know hollywood babylon um back in the day and when they were when they were writing this and, and working on this as a project they talked about it and they did some live readings as well. So, um, and, you know, Ralph does a million different voices and everything yeah. else. So it was pretty entertaining. And yeah, he's, been on, he, he's on Family Guy, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he's one of the big voices. He does, I don't even know how many voices there. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he um, was talking about just how, you know, interesting it was to sort of, um, you know, give a, almost liquefied purified representation of what feels like what are the hallmarks of batman 66 like what is the what is the stuff that when you like get into it you're like oh yeah this is the goods this represents sort of like in this platonic uh you know purest form of what this thing is yeah and some of that kind of stuff is this just zaniness of uh, we can't do this because of that. And of course they would do this if we did that. So this is the only logical way, you know, almost yeah. like, and even thinking through about like, 
hey, let's figure out um, where this hideout is. Well, it has to have something with stamps and it has to be in Italian and it has to reference a uh, clown. So if we think through all of those, it can only be here. Like that's yeah. just so pure Batman 66. And to have a, a super fan like, like Garmin, you know, working with, you know, obviously a writer that's talented with a deep love for the character. Um, I, it's really pretty, pretty particularly wonderful in ways that you wouldn't expect. Um, because it's easy to do something and kind of have it be a knockoff or um, a continuation or you know typically not that many years pass you know 50 years past its prime or whenever you know past the airing whenever I think that was probably the right date for when it came out Um, but you know if it's if it's something like Smallville season 10 or 11 I can't remember what that would be oh the the comic was 11 yeah 11 right yeah yeah like yeah i mean yeah you're just kind of continuing to do the thing it's it's whatever i'm not saying there's not value there and that there isn't good work you know obviously someone had to be talented enough to get that gig right right but it's a little bit different than saying how do you boil down the essence of this thing that's been revered and loved and like you know mocked or you know magnified in all these different ways and say Mm -hmm. this isn't just going to be a continuation it's going to be a representation of what that thing is and what it means yeah. Like that's what I think they were able to accomplish with this, which is yeah. really, really pretty spectacular. Um, it's, it's funny because it, it, it was obviously much easier for Smallville season 11. They were all written by Brian Q. Miller, who was a writer on the show. Right. So he had the benefit of being like, well, I knew I, I lived with these characters for, you know, three or four years, however, however long he was on the show. So he knew how to write them. Whereas like Ralph and, and Kevin, um, they're just like, okay, we're just fans. But I think that the benefit of that is um, like Kyle Higgins said this about his Power Rangers run. Um, I don't know if you've ever read any of those comics. I, you no, know. I haven't. Um, he said that he wrote, he wasn't writing the Power Rangers show he remembered. He was writing the Power Rangers show he felt as a kid. So when you read those Power Rangers comics, they feel like, somebody and a friend of mine uh, my friend lance and i were talking about this it's like we i'm reading this the way i watched it as a kid really just like it's taking itself uh a little bit more seriously than the 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 power rangers tv show did in like 1993 94 whereas this is much different where it's you get to approach it in a way that it's like it's two adults that can put themselves in that mindset but I could show this, you know, I mean, my kids, you know, she's a little under two, but like when she gets a little bit older, I can hand her this book and she can read it. It's very family friendly and fun and she'll be into it, hopefully, or also I'll disown her. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. If you're listening, mother. Uh, <laughs> but, but seriously, it's like, you know, that, that kind of aspect where it's like uh, you, you get the different ways to do it. It's like, you know, Brian Q. Miller, he worked on the show. He knows how to write these characters. Cal Higgins, he had a specific vision of how he felt when he was watching the show and how he wanted to write it. Whereas these guys were, like you said, very eloquently, like they, they were able to capture the feel of it and they were, and it just, and it feels like, oh, this is a lost episode, right? Like right. This, we, I saw this episode, didn't I? You know, with yeah. Gen- yeah, it was, it was, they came, it came out, didn't it? You know, like something that just kind of scratches at the back of your head where it's like, mm-hmm. it's so familiar and it's so like concentrated. Um, yeah. It's like, you know, it's like 
like a chicken bouillon cube versus chicken stock, you know, or something like yeah. that. You know? <laughs> and like the Smallville stuff, and this is not to slag because I read that. I, I mean, I was a huge Smallville fan, man. I didn't have, we didn't have um, the WB or the CW. Um, but when I was in college, we did have illegal file sharing. So I'd like download those episodes sure. <laughs> and watch them. And, uh, you know, just was like obsessed with it. It was, that's, mm-hmm. that's what we had in the early 2000s, right? Yeah. It was better than half the, you know, uh, comic book property based uh, motion picture features that got made. Um, yeah, Smallville season four versus Blade Trinity. Okay, yeah, Smallville know, season yeah. four. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's exactly. It's actually the exact property I was thinking of. Um, uh, but it, you know, it that feels very transactional. It's a continuation. It's not yep. like a reverent, like look at like resurrecting and highlighting here's the beauty of this thing mm-hmm. and i'm showing you in in this syrupy goodness way what was so awesome about that it's just kind of doing more of the same thing in a different medium and there's value to it yep. um, but this like this this sort of like reverence that you get but not reverence to the point where it's sort of misplaced reverence and it's making something to be something that it wasn't in retrospect because the years have gone by and it feels more important. It's like very, very accurate on here's what worked and here's how it worked. And here's, here's the way it felt. And you know, when it was goofy, where it was goofy and when it was snappy, how it was snappy. It's just, there's a good writing, you know, quite obviously goes a long way. And I think this had it done really well. And uh, Ty Templeton, who I forgot was the artist, uh, kind of cut his teeth doing the um the batman adventures uh yeah. from from the animated series uh so i forgot he was the artist on it and 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 i love that he he captured um it, i mean obviously it looks like a comic book but it you know it's like but i still feel like it's adam west it feels like cesar romero and and oh, there's alan a couple- napier it, like i look yeah. at yeah i'm like alfred like holy geez that's yeah that's him well, and that well, it's and it's cool where they got around licensing in a really clever way. I thought where like they couldn't get the licensing to um, uh, remind me of his name who played Commissioner Gordon. Um, oh, yes, of course you're gonna ask me when we're <laughs> recording, and I don't. Uh, <laughs> as soon as you say it, I'm gonna drive myself crazy. I'm gonna try and look it up real quick because we're dishonoring his memory right now. <laughs> um, but um, hang on, I got it. But yeah, uh, so they did. Is it Neil? Neil Hamilton. Yes. Good lord. Okay, there we go. Neil Hamilton. So, so they don't. They didn't have the licensing to use his face, so they just put glasses on him. Right. Um, so, and and even the actor uh, who played, uh, you know, Colonel Gum and now General Gum, they didn't have the licensing for him. So they just they made up a story where he was working on some on his you know, gum, gum gun or whatever the heck he calls it in the book. And, and it blew up in his face. And now he has like the, the white gum face. Um, and, but they, but they did it well where they drew him, like when he's telling his backstory kind of in silhouette. So you could still see his, his like handlebar mustache. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I noticed that too. And, and even, and my favorite part of any of these books, uh, especially the Alex Ross covers, but Ty Templeton did it too. 
Cesar Romero's Joker has a mustache. Yeah, the lines are drawn in. It I is, love it. <laughs> the, the, the details are definitely, definitely there. And, you know, you think about, like, a very malleable character, as we said with Batman, like Ty Templeton's artwork. Like, talk about a dude that can shift in and out of styles. And, yeah. and like, I mean, it, and it's not that some of the Batman Adventure stuff looked precisely like the animated series. It mm-hmm. looked like a comic book a comic book approach to that style. Yes. It just like, this doesn't look exactly like the TV show from the sixties, but it is certainly the comic book approach to that style. Like, yeah, that is just because everybody, you know, you think about, you know, artists that have a signature look or a signature style and mm-hmm. yeah, that's great, man. I love Jim Lee. You look at Jim Lee drawing. That's Jim Lee. You know, it's it, Jim Lee immediately. Yeah. Oh, immediately. I mean, before, yep. a, a millisecond from the time your eyeballs hits that page, you know, it's Jim Lee. Yep. And, and that's awesome. Like that is, that's iconic stuff. But I think there's this also like maybe sort of undersold talent and saying like, Oh yeah, you want that? I can draw that. I can, I can draw something like that. I'll do my, I can do my version of that. That's, that's great. I was on, um, Ryan Lauer, who I'm sure you're familiar with, Ryan, um, his, his show, The Batman oh, yeah. Book Club, and we we're talking about um, Batman Adventures, uh, Batman Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle Adventures, and John Samariva. Mm. We got to interview John, um, and his style on its own is not necessarily what you see in that book, mm-hmm. but it's John's version of those two properties, which, yeah. like, it's that thing through his lens. And when artists can do that, I think it's just so, I mean, I'm, that blows that blows me away. I can do I can draw very little bit myself, and pretty much everything looks almost exactly the same. So if I had to do <laughs> do do like a different approach to do a particular project, I'd never ever ever in a million years be able to do that. You know. Yeah, yeah, and, and it's kind of the same uh, even with Alex Ross. You know, it's like because obviously his stuff is so realistic, and that's what help sell these covers right so it's like it's kevin smith and it's alex ross you know they're they're doing batman 66 so it's like i'm already hooked you know i'm like i'm I'm like like, shut up and take my money kind of a thing you know right um but um i i I love that it 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 wasn't but it's not a it, it didn't feel like a gimmicky story it felt um but even in in the old show it didn't feel gimmicky that they were getting together um i was like okay like this feels, even though it's wacky and, you know, he's eating alphabet soup the whole time. I know. That was, which I don't know what that I is. I don't to- know either. I was hoping is <laughs> actually in, in my notebook that I wrote down. I was hoping you maybe pulled that from someplace that I wasn't able to find. <laughs> if that was a reference to something or if Kevin was just really stoned. Like, I don't know. You know, I, like just. He, he does it because he does it in the, sh- in the show. He eats alphabet soup. So I guess that's where it came from, but I don't know where that came from. Right. So like that's like, just something that was sticking in their mind that they remembered. Like, hey, I remember this thing. We got to put it in the book. Yeah. So I don't know. It's I was just sort of like, all right, whatever. Um, but but even but in both situations, I didn't feel like it was gimmicky. I didn't feel like, well, like who cares about these things? Oh, like the book isn't selling, so we have to put them together, right? It's like, no, it's like, it, it felt like something that everybody could kind of get behind that DC got excited about that we as the fans could get excited about. And, and again, like, I'm not like the biggest 66 fan in the world. Um, I don't really ever think of it as my Batman. If I had to pick a, like a quote unquote, my Batman, right. I'd probably go with Michael Keaton. Um, 
or I or Kevin Conroy. Um, but um, so it's, it's, how do you choose? <laughs> I think that's the beauty. It's one yeah. of the beauties of the character, man. If you have a character that's that many different, you know, pretty, um, you know, def- definitive. <laughs> you have so many different definitive versions of a character that probably tells you something about the character. Because I'm the same way. Like, yeah. if someone was like, you know, gun to your head. You know, what's your favorite Batman of all mediums? Yeah. Like, I don't. Uh, gee, how long do I have to answer? You know. Like, <laughs> Is I did Keaton or the animated series or you know Nolan or mm-hmm. you know like geez how many different uh, you know long Halloween slash Dark Victory at year one like I don't know man like I don't yeah. want to pick I don't I don't want to pick well uh, well I was actually on um, uh, Ryan's show and we talked about Batman Noel oh yeah like, you just did Noel of course yeah yeah, yeah, yeah for sure and and he asked about uh you know because i knew he was gonna ask like what's your favorite batman story yeah, always and, yeah. and i and i was like so i was like racking my brain ahead of time and i and i was just like and i was so nervous that i was gonna say something wrong i don't know why because that's dumb <laughs> but ryan's also- a jerk so that's, that's fair <laughs> that's true we did talk about that a little bit too yeah. um, but uh just kidding ryan you're a cool guy um <laughs> or is he yeah um, uh-uh. <laughs> but it's like i like oddly enough this story popped in my head this batman green Hornet story because i'm like i have a lot of fun reading this you know and oh, man the and some of the other batman stuff like it it's it, strange to say it's not necessarily like fun to read but it's enjoyable to read like batman noel is not it, it's kind of a heavy read given its you know story um you know the, the christmas carol format and all that but it's like I still enjoy reading it. I, I'm not like depressed after reading it or anything like that. Um, but this, if I want to pick, like, if someone were to be like, "Oh, what's like a, a really like fun kid-friendly Batman story?" I'd probably give them, you know, some of these '66 comics um, because it's like this. This feels just like the old show. It's not. It, it. I don't think it's making fun of any of the characters. You like nobody comes across as an idiot to me. Um, no. And but it, it it just feels like this is a celebration of that sh- those two shows and i'm really excited reading it thinking like man like it makes me it makes me want to watch the show but at the same time it's like i think this is better in some ways yeah, in some ways <laughs> i think so I, I i agree um which sounds crazy but i think mm-hmm. that's how good a job this creative team did sort of yeah. digesting it down to its core elements and then doing something new we haven't seen with it before right um in the same way i mean it, it, it not just like you know obviously the crossover happened before but you know the visuals and sort of doing some different gags around like hey the boots are stuck to the top of a moving train and we're going to get smashed by this bridge unless yeah. a helicopter comes and rips us out of our boots like you couldn't film that in yeah. in, in 1966 or 1967 so it has all these like core elements of what made the property at the time the tv show um successful and mm-hmm. valuable and it resonated but you get to kind of do something bigger and wilder with it than they were able to do when the when these two properties crossed over the first time yeah so it's awesome it, you know and it's not to say and sometimes I, I get accused of this with a group of buddies that are always talking about this stuff. It's your know, names that would probably be familiar to you. It's, uh, it's Peter Holtzman. Yeah. Yeah. Eric Holtzman and Peter Vera and, you know, Ryan and Ryan Haas. We talk about all this stuff all the time. And I'm always the guy that's like, 
you know, at this point in my life, um, I really like to enjoy things. If I'm going to invest my time in something, I'd like for it to be fun. It doesn't yeah. always mean that I need something to be like lacking substance for yeah. it to be fun. I just don't want it to be, I don't want to always be weighed down by something, right? Yeah. Like, you know, whether it's the, the, you know, the year we've found ourselves just leaving <laughs> Or, you know, I'm a, I'm a dad of multiple young kids. It's a busy time of life. So the time I have, like to, you know, kind of free time I'd like to have, I'd like it to be super fun. And I love raising kids. It's not that it's not fun. It's just a lot of work. Right. Yeah, um, yeah for sure. What's nice about this is it manages to be super fun mm -hmm. without being kind of like throw away disposable fun. Like yes. there's good writing done here. There's mm -hmm. great artwork. The, the creative team, again, has figured out how to display what's awesome about the property, which takes a ton of talent and skill and merit and technical prowess, mm -hmm. but it's still just fun Yeah, while yeah. being totally worthy and in like deserving of praise as a piece of artwork as well, okay. which, which is great. It kind of gets the best of both worlds. So if I, you know, if I were to say like, Hey, you know, is this, is this on your list? Like, I don't know. It's, it's up there someplace. I don't have a physical copy of this. I read this on the DC universe app. Like mm -hmm. I read it again. I hadn't read it for a little while. You know, when yeah. you would ask if I want to talk about this one, I'm like, yeah, I do. Cause I actually want to reread it. And I, yeah. you know, really liked it before. Like I, I want to get a physical copy of this. Cause in the same way, you know, you're talking about with your daughter in a couple of years, you could hand this to her. My eight-year-old could read this this weekend. Yep. It, it's digestible too. I think you can reread all 12 issues in, you know, two hours, hour and a half, maybe, you yeah. know, like it's, it's, it's pretty easy reading, but at the same time, it's easy to see how well crafted it is. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's funny when you're talking about things being fun uh, with, without having to be heavy, because before we were recording, we were talking about like Inside Out and Soul, you know, from Pixar. Right. And I think that those movies, well, most Pixar movies, do a really great job of being very fun and having a lot to say. Um, and and which is which is really great, and it's very hard to do. And Pixar doesn't always nail it, you know. <laughs> is uh, I, oh yeah, I, I don't like the Cars movies, for example. But um, but uh, or even like Brave. I'm not a fan of those either. Yeah, even like Brave is okay, but I don't revisit that very often. Um, but then you get, uh, but then you get like Inside Out and Soul, where it's like it's these are funny. This is funny, and this is exciting. And then afterwards, you go, "Wow, th there was something to that." Mm, um, so there's value in that, but there's also value, and I love the way you put it, where this is a lot of fun to read, but it's not just disposable. It's because you want to like go and reread it and say, like, yeah, I had fun reading this. Like it didn't have to teach me a lesson or anything. And there's some off the wall stuff in it anyway. Like, you know, when Batman and Robin are about to get stamped and then he's like, he's like, look at that balsamic vinaigrette. It can, <laughs> it'll, you know, high acidity. Yeah. And it's like, it's like, okay, wouldn't that burn through your clothes though? I mean, like, you yeah. know, or you're, you're, Bat, your bat outfit is going to smell like balsamic vinaigrette for the rest of your life. Uh -huh. I, it's, it is, it's just zany enough that it's like, oh yeah, this is good. This is no. good zany, man. You make it at work. And you know, I, I have been, you know, there's a couple other examples of this where I think these crossover properties mm -hmm. can be 
a quick cash grab. It can be sort yeah. of like, hey, you know, here's a thing, you know, here's some nostalgia. You know, I think like video game comic book adaptations can be like that a lot. Yeah. Um, you know, it's like, hey, we're we're going to get your money because you like this thing. And it's an easy thing to kind of knock out and you don't have to think too hard about it. Or, um, But this is a property that I think, you know, this series, I should say, um, you know, clearly didn't take the easy way out on that. And they made something of value. Yeah. Um, and another book I, I reviewed, gosh, probably three years ago now over at uh, Batman on film mm-hmm. was uh, Masters of the Universe versus uh, DC Injustice. Okay. That's the full title. Anyway, it was He-Man and the Injustice kind of universe. Yeah. And it's like, all right, this 80s nostalgia title plus this video game adaptation crossover, like, ugh, this is going to be cheesy and bad. Yeah. And it was absolutely fantastic, man. Like, really? when you're talking about, yeah, man, when you're talking about like the Power Rangers thing and like writing it, how, um, you know, how you felt as a kid right. watching it. It's like, yeah, you know, the Masters of the Universe uh, cartoon was cheesy and goofy and everything else. But like when you were a kid, you know, I, I was a little young for Masters of the Universe, but I had it on VHS tape. We lived in the middle of nowhere. There's nothing else to watch. So I would rent these Masters of the Universe tapes and watch them. And, and I didn't know it was goofy at the time. Yeah. So it felt, it feels like it was written for point it takes it just a little bit more seriously than the cartoon ever was right. um, and it finds a good story and a good reason to validate its own existence and I, i'm just always surprised and maybe that's unfair to the writers because these are talented professional individuals right but yeah anytime a creative team can sort of take a thing that could be easy and surface levelly and just cash the check and does yep. something elevated with it, like damn, you get my respect every time. You know, thank you for the extra effort. Yeah, the the passion behind it. Because I remember reading interviews with Kevin Smith and Ralph Garman before it came out, and they were talking about it. And and I was like, well, I like Batman. I don't really know anything about Green Hornet, uh, other than like the bits and stuff I've read. Um, but that, but their excitement, I could feel through like the the pages. You know, when right. I was reading these interviews, I was like okay, no, this, I'm on board. Like, first of all, like, it looks cool. It, uh, you know, you got the Alex Ross covers, you got uh, Kevin Smith, uh, who I love. You got Ralph Garman, who I love. Um, so you're already, like, selling me on that end. But them talking about it and being so excited about it is, uh, and, you know, it's the same thing now. Like, um, I remember, you know, it's funny you bring up He-Man and Injustice. When the first Injustice book came out, I was like, I was like, comic based on a video game, like these are never good. Never good, yeah. But that's how I became a Tom Taylor fan. And I'm a huge Tom Taylor fan now. You sure. know? And it's like he he figured out the the formula where it's like, well, yeah, here's the premise of the video game. It's a Mortal Kombat thing where Batman and Superman can actually fight each other. Um <laughs> but he figured out the the secret formula, which was like, well, we got it, they're humans. We gotta put we gotta put the humanity in it. And, and I think that, you know, Ralph and, and Kevin did that with this as well. They, they put some humanity into it. They put their passion and their excitement into it. And it, it just makes it that much more fun when we're reading it. Like you and I can sit there and go like, oh, like we said before, it's like, isn't this an old episode? I, I, right. We're just reading the old storyboards, right? Um, 
or it's it's we're almost feeling like it could have been the third animated movie that they made you know because they did the uh Cape Crusade, Return of the Cape Crusaders and the Batman versus Two-Face which I still have to watch but <laughs> um, I haven't seen Two-Face either which I think oh, okay. like don't I feel like that really breaks down my street cred um <laughs> but I I haven't it's uh, I saw it's on HBO Max now and I'm like yep. ooh, this is gonna be a late night view after my wife goes to bed some night and I just stay <laughs> up and nerd out which is most nights to be fair <laughs> that she's that, a 9 30 9 30 quarter to 10 bedtime person so yeah. and i am not which leads me you know back before you know we were living in a pandemic i used to use that time in a very responsible way i would get to the gym and, and be a responsible 30 something adult male and make sure you know i was taking care of my body now i read comic <laughs> books and we'll watch cartoons so you know, whatever <laughs> um well if you get the right kind of membership you can get you can like have Netflix on the screen at the on the elliptical and watch that right and watch something, right. which I did do for Two a long birds, time. Man, I got I I I, gotta I get on that. I finished the Punisher season one at the gym because I was on the elliptical just watching yeah. the Punisher. Um, Dude, that'll that'll jack you up too. I'll get you ready. Oh get yeah, the heart yeah. rate up all on its own. Oh yeah, that was a great show. That's a story for another day, but it's a great show. Um, but uh, but yeah, man, this. Well, this has been uh, a ton of fun. Um, I was, I always get nervous that we don't have enough to talk about. I was like, well, I mean, like, I know we're both fans of this. If we, what, what are we really going to talk about? And then never fails. We nerd out. Let's talk about anything and anything, uh, anything and everything under the sun that we're excited about. And, uh, and it always in some weird way ties back to the topic. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, I, that's, those are my, those are my favorite podcasts to participate in. They're also my favorite podcasts to listen to, you know, when I, when yeah. I'm throwing on an episode of, you know, whomever, whether it's a buddy or, you know, just a show that I listen to, you know, mm -hmm. that I'm a fan of. And it's people that really like say like, Hey man, we're talking about this thing, but we're also going to talk, you kind of inevitably get into like why we like this thing or what yeah. this thing means to us or what we think you know, this thing tells us about, you know, whether it's the world or the time period it was made in or whatever else, like that's, that's what I really like more than anything else. If I'm going to spend an hour of my time listening to a podcast, I don't need it to be a, a, a point by point retelling of the plot and breaking down the narrative structure. Like, yeah, is there some value in that? Sure. And there's some shows I listen to that do that from time to time. Yep. I'd rather listen to some people talk about like, here's this thing. And we liked it or we didn't like it. And it, the reason why is because when I was a kid, this, or when I got to know the character that, or it also reminded me of this other property, like those are fun wild rides, whether you get to do the talking or just do the listening. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. Um, well, this, you know, like I said, this has been a lot of fun. Um, we, uh, we should definitely um, get you back soon for another topic. I've got, I've got a lot of big plans for uh, the rest of 2021. Um, I start, I'm starting with Batman 66 because January is the, the 55th anniversary of the show uh, when it first premiered, yeah. um, which, is, which is crazy to think about. And, and like I said, here we are 55 years later, we're still talking about it. We're still excited about it. Um, and that, that says a lot um, about the, for lack of a better term, the resale value of it. You know what I mean? And uh it's like, and Kevin and Ralph knew that, and they made a great comic out of it. Um, Jeff Parker knew that his stories are great, and and we knew that, so we could you know get on here and 
for a little over an hour uh, say, isn't Batman great? So I <laughs> know. <laughs> And sometimes that's all you really need to say, right? Like you can spend a lot of words uh, saying all the reasons why it's great or all the things that are, you know, seem intellectual about it. But at the end of the day, it's like, isn't Batman great? <laughs> it's yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, so if people want to find you out there in the interwebs, Garrett, where can they find you? Yeah, um, you can follow me uh, over at uh, the Twitter uh, website. That'd be just great. I think it's fun to interact over there. Um, <laughs> my handle is at Garrett Wado. That is Garrett, G-A-R-R-E-T-W-A-T-O. Um, if you like Batman, like I like Batman, you, we can talk about Batman there. Uh, I also mm -hmm. love Superman, um, near and dear to my heart as well, and Star Wars. And Masters of the Universe, what I managed to bring up in this conversation uh, <laughs> and, you know, all sorts of different stuff um, in that world. But also a big uh, football fan. I do a, a lot of fantasy football stuff. Uh, proud Minnesotan, Minnesota Vikings, if you like them, you know, we can we can talk Vikings, too. And I don't know how to use social media properly. So I use Twitter like it's Instagram. If you want to see pictures of my kids or us, you know, about a weekend <laughs> at my house, I also include that uh, on Twitter. Um, but if you, um, you know, want to read stuff that I write instead of just listen to stuff that I say, uh, you can head over to Batman on film and, mm -hmm. and, uh, check out my author page over there. Uh, I've got some, you know, a number of movie reviews and, and other things up, but my, my regular gig over there is, uh, reviewing justice league and, uh, Batman Superman are the two titles I'm on right now. I appreciate that. And I think that covers it. Yeah. Um, I, if I didn't know you were from Minnesota, I would know now because <laughs> of the <laughs> sure. Vikings and the twins <laughs> behind yeah, you. The, the, um, the, uh, the, I've got, uh, for, those, for those listeners out there, I've got, um, if you've ever seen, if you happen to watch like the Batman on film uh, vlogs or the social hour that we do now, mm -hmm. you'll see pretty typically I'm, I'm, I'm perched in front of some wood and metal uh minnesota vikings and minnesota twins artwork so yeah, i'm very subtle with my uh bold <laughs> north uh proclivities up here well it's it's the same with me you know like if we were in a if we were closer to my kitchen you'd see my mountain of batman pops <laughs> and you'd be like yeah. so do you like batman <laughs> Is it, you look one of those batman guys <laughs> so like, yes i am and i was Every and i I like Batman before he was cool. <laughs> yeah, right. They're like 1938, huh? Interesting. Um, I do I, have that you know, <laughs> sometimes, sometimes I will record from um, my boys' room, my two oldest boys, uh, and I designed their bedroom and decked it out. It's a Batman, one half Batman, one half Superman room. Nice. Um, so if it's ever clean enough and I'm going to be on camera, talking about you know superhero things i'll go record there because it's a little bit better backdrop than like i like sports you know <laughs> whatever um that's that's awesome and i love that um well thank thanks again garrett uh this has been a blast um we'll um you know we'll definitely you know we'll keep in touch as as we have been anyway um and we'll uh We'll get you. We'll get you back. Uh, we'll get you back soon for an episode. Um, yeah, man. Thanks so much for having me. I had a ton of fun. Um, yeah. And we will. Uh, we will do this again sometime. Yeah, absolutely. And to all of you out there, you'll you'll find us same bat time, same bat channel, unless you change your channels. If you like, if you stop getting an iPhone, you got like an Android. You got to get different podcast channel. I. It's fine. We're done. It's fine. All right. We'll see you next week. Holy podcast, Batman! <laughs>
get it? Because they used to always say the some sort of holy shit thing back in the in the sixties. They sure did. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Four Comic Junkies podcast. This is part two of our four-part Batman '66 celebration. Uh, this one I'm very excited about today. I am talking with uh, Garrett Grev from Batman on Film. Um, we were talking Batman meets the Green Hornet. We talked both the, uh, the crossover on the old series as well as the comic written by uh, Ralph Garman and Kevin Smith and um, drawn by Ty Templeton with covers by Alex Ross. It's, uh, it's, it's such a fun story. Um, if you guys have the means to pick it up, um, you know, through, um, you know, your local comic book store or Amazon or whatever, I highly recommend. It's, it's so much fun to read. I, I reread it quite frequently, actually. It's my favorite of all the Batman 66 comics that they did. Um, it's just, it's just a ton of fun, you know, and that's, and that's what the, that old show was. It was a lot of fun. And, uh, Garrett and I get into our memories about it. Uh, it's, and it was great to, you know, have this, uh, you know, this guy that, you know, I wouldn't have met any other way but through through Batman and you know we're sitting there talking our favorite 66 memories and other Batman related shit you know um you might have noticed that uh the episodes are uh this episode and the last episode and going forward uh is gonna be uh, R-rated uh, I hope that doesn't offend anyone out there um you know it's just uh, it's just the way you know the way I talk and I got uh I just was like you know what Fuck it, I'm going for it. Um, it's been this podcast over the past, you know, uh, a year and some change has has been so much fun. Thank you all so much for your support, for tuning in. Um, it, it really means a lot to me. Um, you know, seeing those numbers go up and and it's just it's a, it's a surreal feeling. Like, oh, you know, you're all interested in me and what I have to say. That's that's cool. I uh, it makes me feel good about myself. Um, as always, you can find me. On Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, for Comic Junkies. Uh, if you have any questions, suggestions, um, overall thoughts, um, you can reach me for Comic Junkies at gmail.com. Folks, this is such a good one. I can't wait. Let's get into it. Batman 66 meets the Green Hornet. No, 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 no,